He keeps himself in trim by bending bars of iron. This bar is the genuine article which we tested before he began to play with it. Beyond the bend. Beyond the bend. Tom, welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Right on. So why don't you tell me about the first time you saw somebody bend a nail or a piece of steel? So I was looking for uh, information on how to do it. Uh, I had been looking around trying to come up with strongman stunts that I could figure out a way to gimmick for some kids at a summer camp to do so they could impress their parents. And I went looking through the old, uh, the old Wikipedia strongman page and it said, yeah, strongmen back in the 90s used to do card tearing and nail bending. I said, nail bending? What the hell? Uh, and it reminded me of Bill Kazmaier back in WCW when he was a professional wrestler for about a minute. I don't know, did you ever follow pro wrestling? Um, just barely, like in the, I'd say maybe like right around the turn of the century, like Stone Cold and, and The Rock and things like that. Uh, and I have some awareness of uh, some other stuff, but it's mostly because of people I'm friends with being into it. I, I don't go too deep with it, really. So Bill Kazmaier, uh, he was in one of the other promotions in like, I want to say 1993. And periodically he'd do strongman stunts. This was after he was done being the world's strongest man for like five years running or whatever it was. And he'd bring out these bars that now I look back at them and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, he's bending a 48 by three quarters bar in the ring. And he'd bend something and they'd say, oh my goodness, that's a world record. And somebody would come up and hit him with the bar or something and it, that would be the end of it. But I'd never seen anybody bend short steel before. So the first time I saw one of those was uh, a Jed Johnson video when I was trying to figure out how the heck you can actually do it. Nice. He, uh, he just had, I think it was just something as simple as a 60 penny nail. Uh, and it seemed almost impossible to me at the time. And he just blew through it. And I think that's <laughs> the same story that a lot of people have uh, yeah. for their first time seeing steel. Bed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the uh, wrestling uh, component. And that's something I'm fascinated with um, being a grappler myself. Not that I'm a huge professional wrestling fan. But I, um, and this sort of ties in with Strongman and everything else, that um, I'm fascinated with uh, American catch wrestling and, and English and the fact that there's grappling in American history that traces super far back, rough and tumble style, they would call it, and stuff like that. Uh, we're talking like gangs of New York era. Um, and a lot of those guys that were participating in those bare knuckle wrestling matches were also strong men. And that's what sort of like during this quarantine, getting fascinated with strength in general and from there into the strongman stuff. Um, the fact that the, in the turn of the century, these guys were doing all of that. And it was kind of just part of the whole deal. You know, a wrestler was a strong man, was a, you know, nailbender and stuff like the mighty adam was a jujitsu practitioner and a wrestler and uh just the fact that these are all intertwined so when i tell people why i'm interested in this if, if it doesn't make sense to them right away i try to like tie it up together you know the fact that it was all kind of one thing at one time yeah there's actually a, a wrestler on the independent circuit right now who's starting to bring back some of those connections so oh, nice. um he, uh, his ring name is PCO, uh, Pierre Carl Willett. He's in his 50s. He's been wrestling since, like, the, the 80s. He was in the WWF uh, as one of the Quebecers years ago. Oh, wow. uh, his manager right now is a guy, uh, I can't remember his last name, but it, uh, his gimmick name is Mike Destroyer, and on, on wrestling they call him D-Destro. He was an old-time uh, grip strength guy. He would do... Uh, he would do strongman stunts, and now these days he's got PCO uh, recording short videos, bending steel bars in the ring. Uh, he's just doing all that old-timey 
uh, strongman wrestler stuff that used to just be everybody. And he's just really bringing it back. It's fantastic. Oh, that's exciting to hear. That's cool. Yeah, and I like, um, I just find it interesting that uh, along the way it became all about the show and not so much um, about the, uh, like the uh, fight or, or I don't know how to explain it, but uh, I know for a while there um, at the carnivals and, and stuff like that, these guys would um, have a real match uh, the week leading up to it. And the winner of that match would then be the winner of the show um, when they actually took it to the people and they couldn't have guys actually grappling and, and uh, submitting each other every night because they'd just be too banged up. So uh, to my knowledge that it actually became a sort of like a work at that time, but there was a pre-match, which was the real thing. And that would determine the winner. And I, oh, so that, that, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you had to make sure that the guy who was winning the match was uh, going to be able to uh, protect himself if the, the sport loser was going to go into business for himself. So these yeah. guys are all legitimately tough guys. You go back, you look at Billy Robinson, Frank Gotch. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lou Fez, my goodness. I, I would still not want to be on the wrong side of him, and he's been dead for 20 years. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's very tough guys. It's funny, though, too, because it seems like in that era, uh, everything had an angle, though, too, you know, because I'm, you know, getting into all this grip and bending and stuff. Obviously, I'm doing my research on the inch dumbbell and realizing that that's there's a whole bunch of lore behind that and stuff. Yeah, everybody had to have their own stunt. Uh, and that was that was kind of what was neat when Kazmaier was bending steel. That's something that it's very hard to fake. He would carry a big uh, inflatable globe on his back. And okay, yeah, he's got a 10 ounce balloon on his back, big deal. But then he'd go in there and he'd bend some steel. Tony Atlas used to do the same thing. He'd blow up hot water bottles. He'd drive nails with his hands into boards mm -hmm. on TV. <clears throat> Ken Patera feuded with him over it. These guys were all legitimately tough, strong guys. Yeah, that's what uh, Jaden that I had on the show yesterday said one thing he liked about the, the strongman feats is it's, it's very relatable to the uh, lay person. You know, you don't have to ever have attempted to deadlift 800 pounds to respect an 800 pound deadlift, but you can pull the deck of cards in your hand or a nail and be like, how on earth, do, you know? <laughs> like, uh, so it's very, uh, it, it easily translates to someone that has no idea how hard it is. They can respect how hard it is right off the bat. That's one of the reasons that uh, short bends that I do, I really love doing wrenches. Uh, people who watch you bend, yeah, I mean, a, a nail is a, a big piece of steel, but most of the people I, I work with, I, I'll often bend in front of my classes at the end of the semester. <laughs> they, they've turned a wrench at one point or another, and they know if you're bending a six or an inch wrench, they know what that feels like. Right, yeah. So <clears throat> you mentioned researching the strongmen when you were uh, being a counselor at a summer camp. So what was your uh, athletic background prior to that point? If there was any, were you already running a, a regular weightlifting program, or were you just going and searching out strongmen stuff right out of the blue? So I was way out of practice. I was a lapsed uh, wrestler when I was in high school. Uh, like everybody in the United States who wrestles, uh, my high school did folk style wrestling. Uh, I was generally uh, more excited about Greco-Roman in the summer, uh, the nice. upper body stuff. Nice. Um, I was uh, better with throws. I was, uh, I was always a heavyweight. You don't like to get trapped underneath somebody as a heavyweight. So uh, knowing how to throw them was always a little bit more productive for me. Um, but at the time, I hadn't been active aside from doing some straight cardio stuff uh, in quite some time. I was doing 5Ks, and I was getting kind of bored with the running. And as still a heavyweight guy, the running was getting a lot harder on my body than I really wanted it to be. So I had, uh, I had gone looking for a way to kind of get back involved in wrestling. And one of the ways I did was by coaching wrestling at a summer camp. It wasn't a wrestling specific camp. It was just they'd uh, bring me the groups of the campers. I'd work with them for half an hour or an hour at a time. 
they get some aggression out with each other. I teach them how to wrestle safely, first and foremost, and effectively once they were able to be safe. And while I was there, I found as I was getting back into shape, it was starting to make this competitive itch that I had uh, just act up a little bit more. I probably hadn't been on a mat in 15 years. Uh, and truth be told, with the shape my shoulders were in, I wasn't in position to get back on a mat. So I needed to figure out a way that I could. Okay, so that's kind of sparked the uh, training again. Yeah, exactly. And since then, I've kind of built up uh, a little bit more straight up powerlifting stuff. Uh, my numbers are really nothing to write home about, but they're good for uh, where I started off. I'm uh, squatting 500, I'm deadlifting 565. Nice. Uh, started training a little bit more uh, strongman as well. And I've done three, I think three contests with a couple nice. more scheduled that uh, unfortunately got moved back. Gotcha. So then right as you picked that up, were you straight into bending? Did you catch the bending bug and bend straight through or was it a while before you came back to the bending? So I started bending right away and forced myself to take some time off uh, within a couple of months because I sprained my wrist right off the bat like so many guys <laughs> do. I was sitting there, uh, I had worked my way up from like 20 and 30 penny nails, which are just absolutely tiny. I look at them today and I'm like, how did I ever have any trouble with these? <laughs> um, but I had worked my way up to, I want to say, a grade two bolt that was 516. So I think it was about a 400 pound bar. And I double wrapped it up and I was getting ready to hit it. Uh, and I just hit it at the wrong angle and heard a really loud pop in my left wrist. Uh, and so I was pretty much done for about two months after that. And uh, then I came back because I'm not very smart. <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. And I'm very, uh, very familiar with sprained wrists because I'm a longtime skateboarder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're the worst because, you know, if you, if you rotate your wrist a little bit, sometimes you still hear a click and you're like, when did that one come? Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, what's your training look like these days? Just take me through a normal week of how much bending are you doing? I know you're doing the powerlifting program. Uh, just take me through a week. Yeah, so uh, typically Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I'll have dedicated to uh, some core lift. Usually I'll do deadlifts Monday. I'll do overhead on Tuesday, and Thursday I'll squat. And then I always try to bend the day before uh, I do any kind of overhead pressing. Uh, Jaden has mentioned a couple of times that uh, he's noticed that bench and uh, bending don't play nicely together. And <laughs> I've I experienced it. Yeah, you'll, you'll sap yourself real good that way. So I'll uh, usually bend Mondays, and then if I do a second session, I try to do it on Fridays. Uh, generally, when I'm doing a second session, it'll be snapping or it'll be a lot of volume bending, something that's there to kind of uh, build my engine as opposed to hitting some big steel. These days I'm bending primarily in uh, David Horn wraps and Iron Mind pads, uh, just because uh, it's long past time for me to be on the red certification list. Uh, I'm ready to cert it. They're not assigning referees right now. Right. Um, but I'm trying to just make sure that when they're ready to assign referees again, uh, I'm ready to hit stuff in iron mine pads before I go back to the double wraps for like the fat bastard certifications. Nice. So that kind of, uh, what, what are some of the feats of strength you've done? I know you're shooting for the red nail, like you just said, but up until this point, what are some of the things you're most proud of as far as, uh, PRs and feats of strength and stuff. Yeah, so definitely getting 500 pounds on the safety bar squat was a big one. It was one I was working for for a really long time. Uh, I have uh, the Big Bastard certification from Fat Bastard Barbell Company, which I worked uh, 
very, very hardcore, and that was one that I did in single corridor wraps as well. What's the uh, dimension on that one? Ah, uh, that's a six and a half by five sixteenths box. So it's a little bit shorter than the regular. Nice. Uh, otherwise, very similar. Uh, and I've done a forty—I'm sorry, a forty-inch three-quarters uh, bar at a competition that uh, Don Cummings ran last year. And I think nice. that's the the biggest, uh, or the rather the shortest three-quarters bar I've done. I've gotten shorter uh, ones on like five eighths, and I've gotten down to. Uh, 15 inches at a half inch as well. Still trying to push that down to 15. So some of that, that long bar stuff, uh, I haven't yet been able to try any of that. I definitely want to, because I can see the crossover for grappling in a huge way. But uh, what, so what uh, signifies a finished bar? Like how, how far do you have to close that down? Uh, so it's tough to give a measurement for them with the short bars. It's all two inches. And that actually, because the leverage makes it slightly easier or more forgiving to finish uh, uh, like a very short like four and a half or a five inch bar. With the longer bars, all you're trying to do is get the ends to be parallel. Okay. So with uh, cold rolled steel, which is typically what you're going to be bending uh, unbraced, it bends in different ways. Sometimes you'll, instead of a U shape, for example, it'll look a little bit more like a V shape. And right. so you're never gonna get the ends to be parallel there. Typically you're gonna be bending hot rolled steel in a braced fashion. And so that'll get a clean U shape. And so once the ends are parallel, that's very achievable and it's very easy to measure. Oh, nice, okay, that makes sense. All right, so, uh, Besides the red nail, what are some of the other goals that you have planned for the future? So two long bars that I'm working on. One is the Goliath bar. This was named by, I want to say it was named by Dave Whitley, the Iron Tamer. Yeah. Um, that is, it's a flat bar. It's 48 inches. It's, uh, I want to say one and a half inches by half an inch thick. Uh, and that has kind of a story behind it. Um, I had gone to one of Chris Rice's competitions. It was the very last Gripmas. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Gripmas at all. I'm familiar with the name and I've you know, listened to This Week in Grip and, and stuff like that. So I've heard a ton about it. I don't really know uh, what exactly goes on there, but I'm familiar with that. It's an event and it used to happen a lot. Yeah, you know, Chris had held this uh, this early December competition for, I think it was 16 years, and he had announced this was the last one he was going to get uh, to host. Uh, Tank Andrade is running it out of Connecticut now every December, which is wonderful. Uh, it's great to see the tradition going. Nice. But it was the first time I made it to a grip mess, and it was all about celebrating the tradition more than really even having a competition. They were running a bunch of different events. Uh, there was a core competition, but it was really all about giving people an opportunity to try to set some records or get on some leaderboards. So I brought a Goliath bar with me because I thought, what better opportunity to do something uh, that I'm going to remember than at this place that everybody else is going to So I brought my Goliath bar in. And I sort of made some space around myself, wrapped it up, started to pull on it, and the bar would flex, but it would not hold a kink. So I looked over to Don Cummings, who had earlier in the day set the record for bending uh, six inch nails taped together. In, I wanna say five minutes, he bent 17 pairs of nails taped together which is just a superhuman feat. And then he went on and competed in the gripness contest. And I handed him the bar and I'm like, Don, help. Just kink the bar, we'll all finish it together. Don pulled on the bar. He turned this unbelievable bright shade of red. <laughs> the bar flexed and didn't move. I looked around, Nick Rosendahl was there. I handed Nick the bar. He's like, well, I haven't bent anything braced in a while, but he pulled on it, the bar would flex, did not kink. I think everybody at Gripness had their hands on that bar at some point 
and it would not hold a kink. So wow. I had this grand plan to get this bar bent, and eventually I was like, we're gonna bend this bar, everybody's going to work. We're gonna bend it together, we're gonna give it to Chris. And to this day, I cannot get that bar to bend. So that is my bar that I am working on and that someday I'm gonna finish. Nice, that's a cool yeah. story. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's my white whale, man. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so basically, uh, what motivates you to, uh, to go down in the basement and uh, bend steel? You know, I feel like it takes a certain kind of person to be interested in this and it's definitely harder than just getting down there and running through some some weight training and i just want to know get inside your head talk about mental aspects of bending and basically the motivation behind staying into it for all these years well you know that's that's exactly it i know that there are people who are out there who are uh slinging weight every morning and i know that that's what it takes for them to be motivated but at the end of the day, after I've lifted some weight, yeah, I've lifted it, but it's back where it started off from. Uh, at the end of a bending session, even if I've been unsuccessful, even if I have to stop after kinking a bar before I can finish it, which I don't, I don't like to do, but it happens more often than I'd like, I still have some evidence of how hard I train. Jed says you have a trophy every time you train, and uh, I, I don't get a trophy every time I train but you can always see that you've made some progress. Yeah, that seems to be becoming a uh, universal theme of the show. Everybody, uh, whether they articulate it or not, kind of relate to that sentiment. And that is that definitely makes bending unique, bending and snapping. Uh, the fact that there is car, uh, cold hard evidence of your struggle that you can see, you know, whether it went your way or not, you can still see that your struggle in a material form. And there's something really nice about that. Yeah, it's also super measurable. Uh, unless you're videoing your deadlift so you can figure out exactly where you miss uh, or where you start to lose your upward motion, you don't, have, uh, you don't have a way to proceed. Whereas with bending, you can measure out where's my sticking point and boy, getting past one of those sticking points the next time you hit the same bar is just unbelievable it's an incredible absolutely i've definitely had that experience somewhat uh already and it's uh it reminds me of grappling i mean i guess you could speak on this too it, it uh it's as clo close to the feeling of grappling that i've ever had that's not grappling uh just the the inherent struggle of it and just pushing yourself beyond your comfort and your the levels that you thought you had and sort of just reaching it within yourself to uh, overcome this thing, whether it's a person or, or a bar, it's just, I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, you know, being on the mat, uh, there are a lot of parallels to steel bending. One is that a lot of people, if you look at two wrestlers, they'll assume that the one who's got the bigger mirror muscles is going to be the much better wrestler. And boy, uh, I refereed for a while, I would make the same mistake. I'd look at two guys at, at like a regional tournament or something and say, well, this is going to be quick. And then the short, pudgy kid who just knew how to move a little bit better would take down the big muscular guy uh, and he'd win by a couple of points. He wouldn't be able to outpower him, but he had the technique to do it. And bending is very much the same way. You can't get by bending without being strong, but you also can't get by without having good technique. You have to be smart about how you're using the power. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that point up. It, uh, I've had a good, uh, good time basically having people over the house that are plenty strong to bend, uh, bend a nail. You know, we have a little social distant uh, gathering in the yard or whatever. And, um, you know, I'll toss them over a uh, white nail and they can usually just bend that with wrist strength alone. I'll even put it in leather pads. So, you know, it's nice and easy. And then they green, they can do that. It's a little more of a struggle. And then they, they get to the yellow and they're plenty strong to do it, but they just don't have the technique to do it, you know? So it's, that, it's kind of funny and I can 
I can understand why this was like related to some spectacle, uh, like a strongman show, because the technical ability, ability and that there are there is a technique behind it, kind of keeps away the the giant person that could that well is well within enough power to bend it, but they don't have the technique, so they can't. So it kind of stays as like a trick, you know. Yeah, especially with the the guys with really broad shoulders one of the uh, terrible ironies of overhand bending is that the bigger you are across your shoulders and upper back the harder it is to get into position for something as big as like a seven inch red nail uh, that's one of the reasons why the gold nail which is eight and three eighths inches long and three eighths inches thick is uh, thought of as almost impossible to bend uh, it's just so difficult to get your arms spread out that wide and still be able to exert pressure onto the bar. Yeah. And another thing you said about uh, coaching or refing wrestling, and it uh, reminds me of something that I like to bring up each episode. I hope people aren't tired of hearing it. But uh, basically, when I'm down here bending or snapping, I truly feel like I'm creating that, that farm strength, functional strength, man strength, whatever people call it, you know, the type of strength that, and we know as grapplers, you know, you lock up with, you clinch with somebody that's cut up. They don't necessarily feel all that strong all the time. Sure, sometimes they do, absolutely, but not all the time. And then some guy that doesn't really look like a whole lot, but might be a stonemason, feels like ungodly strong. And you're like, what universe did you come from, you know? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, being out in Western New York, uh, growing up, we were just a stone's throw from a couple of very, very rural areas. So our toughest opponents, uh, I wrestled for Tonawanda High School, which was not as good as I like to pretend it was these days. Um, our biggest rivals were the Niagara Wheatfield District. And I don't know if you can tell from the name Wheatfield, but very rural place. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> with a lot of Native American students as well. Uh, and we had Iroquois, which was Sorry, I don't know if you lost me for a moment there. Just for a second, uh, you were saying something about Iroquois? Sure, yeah. So our other rival was Iroquois High School, which was a little bit richer, um, but they still had a lot of kids who had to get up and, and work on the farm in the morning. And there was just something to those, those wrestlers that people from uh, the more developed areas or the, uh, just the more urban areas didn't always have. You could tell that they had been thinking about how you move things from odd angles. They had been thinking about needing to build that body strength uh, in ways that you just don't if you're not working with your hands and if you're not out there trying to solve problems with your body all the time. Yeah, and do you feel like doing bending and snapping sort of like triggers that type of, uh, that type of strength growth? Yeah, absolutely. What you find is that guys who bend uh, we'll typically see not the same gains in grip strength as people who are training grip in a dedicated fashion, but you'll see them get stronger. Uh, I was working with, um, I'll just name drop uh, Vinny Rivelis recently. Uh, he's not much of a bender. He, uh, he bends paper clips, which is, uh, which is pretty good uh, for Vinny, but he's, he's really a pinch guy. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I hadn't touched a flask since last year's King Kong. And we were out at Tim Butler's place a couple of weeks ago and Vinny and I were just uh, doing some pinch. And I ended up pulling 91 pounds on the flask, which was a seven pound PR, basically just off of continuing to work on bending for the past few months. It's, the strength translates over, it really does. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I really feel like since I've been doing some bending and grip work, like I have a rolling thunder and, and, and doing plate pinching and stuff like that. Um, well, actually, that just that alone, I think since I've gotten heavy into bending, my I used to struggle uh, 
just pinching 225 smooth side out, you know, and now I go in there and that's like no problem at all. And I'm sort of trying to figure out how to incrementally work up to pinching 235s. Or um, I also feel like my deadlift PR has gone way up because my, my grip strength is just, is that much stronger now. You know, it's very similar to something that you see in every strongman competition. When you get to events, usually there's one event where at least for your first couple competitions, you'll blow away your training numbers just completely by surprise. I feel the same thing with bending, especially with carrying events in strongman. You learn the difference when you're bending between having to stop and just not wanting to do it. So if you really want a bar to bend, really quickly you're gonna figure out, do you really need to stop pushing here? Are you lacking the strength? Or do you just not have the pain tolerance and the mental toughness to keep going? And that's a big wall that a lot of people never have to uh, scale. Yeah, yeah. I, uh... I watched the documentary on the mighty Adam. And I think someone in that said like, you know, uh, we have built in governors as humans and we potentially only use something like 30% of our strength capacity or, and I don't know how true that is, but I, I definitely uh, can feel that where you feel you, you hit the bar and you reach that wall where you're like, okay, your body's like, nope, we can't go any further. And somehow you reach within yourself and, push through and you start to feel the feel that you start feeling it going and that's like the best feeling yeah my brother is a marine and he says that they have the 40 percent rule when you're ready to quit you've used up 40 percent of your resources you're not even happy <laughs> that's cool i like that yeah that's like yeah, i don't know if you're familiar i mean most people are at this time but like jocko willink uh are, are you aware of who that is a uh, passing yeah i've heard the name yeah so he's he's a former navy seal jiu-jitsu black belt and overall just like savage person uh, and he his instagram is pretty much just his wrist watch at 4 a.m because that's when he's up working out already so it's like anytime i'm feeling lazy or uh getting off my program in any way i just picture jocko you know out there just up at 4 a.m like before he does like a three mile run after his power lifting, before he goes surfing. Like this guy is just full to the limit all the time. And it's like very motivating, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've always uh, got to have people around to keep you focused on what it's possible for a human to do. Definitely. So we kind of touched on the relationship between bending and grip and strength in general but what about stuff for the beginner bender or the intermediate bender where they're trying to get over the next wall and maybe just quantity of bending isn't cutting it do you do you recommend any type of uh wrist work or strength work in general i know some guys take grippers and practice their crush on those or shoulder mobility is big guys are telling me isometrics uh, i'd like to know what you think about what's gonna what outside bending because i know in a lot of this stuff it's just bend more to be better at bending but uh if someone wants to explore other ways to maybe uh, boost their bending what would you recommend so the guys who are good benders they come in all kinds of different bodies uh have you interviewed don cummins i have him booked and, and he's yeah. been one of the greatest helpers uh behind the scenes, he's given me a lot of names and been very supportive since like the first time I messaged him. So he's, uh, I can't wait to actually talk to him. And I, that dude's a, a freak of nature. I can't understand that's, how that's strong Don. he is. He is he's the nicest guy you've ever seen. And you look at him and you know he's strong. On the other hand, absolutely. Wasn't surprised. <laughs> Wasn't surprised when I heard that. Uh, then you take a look at, uh, I'm thinking of Robert Nijedley right now. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's an older guy from Texas who I believe weighs around 160 pounds. And he will uh, bend a wrench double overhand just right in front of you. He's one of the strongest guys I've ever seen. I'm not even going to say pound for pound. He's extremely strong. 
And what they have in common, both of them, and every other strong bender you're going to see, is they have really strong upper backs and shoulders. So what works for me when I'm having trouble is I have to do a lot of shoulder mobility. I've got uh, janky shoulders from wrestling. I think a lot of people do. So <laughs> I have to do a lot of face folds. I use bands for them. And uh, although this is kind of still within the bending realm, I'll, uh, I'll hit a long piece of polycarbonate rod in the double overhand position to get stretched out. It'll flex but not shatter. But beyond that, I found that when I started doing more uh, heavy overhead pressing work, that's really when I started to see some improvements. Uh, oh, I was cool. coming at this without a really strong powerlifting background. And so I think if you don't have that kind of background, building that base of strength, that can be a pretty good way to get some movie gains uh, out of the way once you hit the wall from just progressing on the amount. That you're doing. Interesting. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to your former part point about the uh, relationship between bench and bending because any, uh, you know, most people know that have uh, lifted a bit. If you want a big bench, you got to work your shoulders, you know, so that basically yeah. goes right to that point. Yeah, they have to be strong, but they also have to be extremely flexible. So with the lighter guys, you, you won't see this, although uh, I'm sure Don is now going to come on and, and hear me say this and pop out 30 chin-ups just to prove me wrong. But the lighter <laughs> guys who are great benders are guys who will do the one-armed chin-ups uh, or just uh, all kinds of muscle-ups all over the place. They're the ones who are going to be able to translate that odd angle strength into the leverage that they need to be able to, to bend stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the shoulder mobility is something I have to work on because I don't know if this is the same uh, for like uh, traditional wrestling, but my posture inherently from doing guard work in jujitsu is uh, my shoulders in rounded um, because everything's tight inside control, you know, so I'm finding to open those up to get, uh, get the bar under my chin on a seven inch bar or something like that is a little bit um, of a struggle and I wouldn't even call myself an inflexible guy I just I think from you know over 10 years of jujitsu at this point my posture is like someone that sits in a, a desk all the time and I'm doing this incredibly physical thing it's kind of frustrating <laughs> yeah it's it's something that a lot of Americans especially uh, have that kind of forward sloping shoulder posture you came by yours honestly but uh, but yeah. people who <laughs> People who, who wrestle get used to leaning forward in the yeah. standing position to protect their legs. Uh, and people who don't have much of a background, usually they just have those stiff shoulders from uh, sitting using a laptop all the time. I think everybody benefits from doing a little bit more shoulder mobility, whether you're just trying to put more weight over your head or whether you're trying to bend some things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned Don. And I know you was uh, last year when you went out to his event, was that the first annual event he put on? Uh, it was. There had been one earlier one in Massachusetts that was run by Kevin Collin that I wasn't able to make. Okay. Uh, and I really wanted to go out to, to Don's event again this year. But unfortunately, you know, coming in from the, the metro New York area into uh, his garage, it really didn't seem like a, a wise idea for me. Right. So, I'll definitely be back next year. He puts on a hell of a competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that it's definitely on for 2021. And I'd like to make it out there as well, actually. It sounds like a lot of fun. It looks very cool. Um, so I did his competition last year. And I've been doing uh, David Horn's Steel Shredder competitions, which we talked about a little bit beforehand. Yeah. Uh, and those have just been fantastic for uh, staying involved in the sport. Even, you know, even during the lockdown, uh, he's done some amazing things to keep people busy. Yeah, that's actually so, so um, to my surprise and delight, really, the uh, momentum and uh, reception of the show has been pretty good so far. And something like David's Steel Shredder 
or some type of bounty. Like uh, I know that Horito is offering up some cash for some bins. I definitely like to do something like that down the road um, to just get the name of the show out there, you know, maybe host a, a remote competition or put some uh, bounty bands up or something like that. Something that's something I've been kicking around for the future. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. There are a lot of people who have dabbled in it a little bit. Tommy Jennings, uh, yeah. who's under 200 pounds and uh, would uh, would be a little upset if I didn't say he was the best under 200. So I'm not going to say he's the best under 200. <laughs> uh, he's he's thrown some money out there before that uh, I think uh, I think Jaden picked up a bunch of it and yeah. uh, there were a couple other kind of lesser known names who collected some money from Tommy. I think Don too maybe I saw something oh, on yeah. Don's Instagram that was like something Tommy Jennings like uh, yeah Don Don can always pick up some uh, some prize <laughs> money whatever he wants to do he can do <laughs> um, yeah. I think the other guys just saw it before he did. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tommy's coming on the show. That's I'm, awesome. I'm looking forward to that one a lot. All right, so we've reached uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, I've created this thing called, I call the medley, and it's just a rapid-fire sequence of questions. Are you ready to go? Absolutely. Right. Favorite, favorite thing to bend? Uh, definitely long, hot-rolled bars. I love seeing them go. Nice. Hardest thing to bend for you? Uh, short cold rolled steel. It, the shorter it gets, the more my ham hock like hands just refuse to cooperate. <laughs> uh, strongest bending style for you? Uh, for me, braced bending, long bars. Weakest bending style? Double underhand. I don't know why anybody does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was like, all right, there's more more to this than brace than double overhand so let me try some reverse and double underhand and i took out the 60 penny and like that thing was a struggle just itself you know double underhand <laughs> this is crazy. very humbling very yeah. humbling but that's got to build some strong wrists <laughs> absolutely um, how about something outside of strength training grip or bending that you enjoy uh so i am very, very into cooking and baking. I've learned a lot about baking over the quarantine. Uh, my wife uh, loves bread baking day and uh, my prized possession uh, for my birthday this year was a, a smoker. Nice. Yeah, I wanna get a smoker too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I've got, a, I've got a kitchen counter version. Um, oh, cool. It still makes the house smell really good, but uh, it keeps it a little more content. Right on, nice. What's the one bend that got away so far? So we talked a little bit about Goliath earlier, but I, uh, I want to throw one out here. Uh, we talked about shoulder mobility earlier. When I went out to Don's competition last year, the first event of the day was uh, double overhand bending, and I didn't warm up properly and I couldn't finish a bend. So there are guys who were bending uh, seven inch, uh, three sixteenths or quarter inch steel who scored ahead of me. I just wasn't flexible enough to hit even like a 930 seconds bar. Oh, <laughs> wow. it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about who's the strongest person you know? Uh, well, this is, this is tough, but uh, I think probably Ruben Hughes, who is uh, a Welsh strongman and steel bender. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and that'll, that'll make Don sad, uh, I think. <laughs> but, um, but if we talk personally, I have a student who uh, came in during one of my, uh, my feats of strength, and he actually lifted a hex blob. It was half of a 95-pound uh, dumbbell uh, with one hand and, and couldn't really figure out what the big deal was about it. Just out oh. of nowhere. Yeah, Did he, he have, was an auto. Did he have some big hands? He did, and he had some strong hands. He was an automotive tech student. So, okay. yeah, works with them every day. Oh, yeah. Definitely experienced mechanics uh, grip many times in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> How about the best piece of advice you were ever given? It can be in relation to lifting or sports or not. Uh, hold your hit longer. No matter what's going on, if you can't bend uh, something, the problem is that you're not holding your hip on. I like that. 
That could almost be life advice as well. <laughs> it is. I've used it in many other contexts. <laughs> uh, do you listen to music while you bend? Yeah, you know, I'm a classic rock guy. Uh, David Horn mentioned that he heard my uh, my Led Zeppelin going in the background of the, the most recent attempt that I did. Uh, nice. It's almost always Led Zeppelin uh, with some other stuff kind of along the same lines. Uh, uh, also, you know, the occasional heavy metal, uh, Halloween, uh, Mr. Torture is one of my favorites. Nice. Oh, yeah. My dad is a, a musician, and I, I am too, uh, but he grew up giant classic rock fan, uh, very much into the Stones, so always been into that stuff. And Zeppelin is like, reminds me of uh, pizza or something. Like, you just like, you hear it and you're like, God damn, this is good, you know? <laughs> like, you, you haven't had it for a while and you're like, holy moly, like, this is so good. And even bad Zeppelin is still pretty good. Like that's pizza. true. No if, doubt. Uh, that's a trick. There's no bad stuff. <laughs> um, all right. How about the funniest reaction person has had when they find out you spend your time bending steel? Almost always, uh, people will go, well, "Well, what do you do that for?" Uh, <laughs> but I had one coworker come in uh, one day when I was uh, I was doing horseshoes at the end of the semester. And I think he thought that there was a trick to it. So I always passed the horseshoe around and I made sure he got a, a look at it. And he looked at it and he said, Tom, this is a real horseshoe. <laughs> and I think he thought he was helping. <laughs> like, I think he thought that I was gonna do some kind of trick, keep the horseshoe yeah. up or something. And he sure. thought he was helping me fool the students. Yeah. Just making it look like the worst stunt in the world. Wow. I'm going to pick your brain on that one a little bit, Please. actually, because I just got some horseshoes. And man, I spent 30 minutes yesterday <laughs> grunting <laughs> down here to like no avail. I don't know. I didn't unwrap it, so I don't know if I even put any slight degree of bend in it. But uh, what's some tips on some horseshoe bending? So it's real easy to think about horseshoe bending as a unidirectional horse. Like you're thinking about just separating it. Uh, I always do best when I think about using the rotational force of my abs. So uh, it feels to me a lot like uh, a lot like when I used to do a Peterson roll on the mat. Yeah. Like you grab somebody's wrist and you bring them across your body. Yep. Your anchor hand stays braced against your body, and you rotate with your abs. You're not pushing down with your arm most of the force is coming from your trunk. Okay, yeah, nice. I, uh, I have a little bit of an instructional video on Reddit uh, that okay. I'd be happy to uh, send you a link for. I don't know if you want to throw it in the, the transcript or something too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, it's the other thing to keep in mind with, uh, with horseshoes is make sure you're starting with something really reasonable. I don't know if you're starting with the St. Croix Ultralight number two, um, I think I got a, a, so I, Don told me to get that one. And yeah. then the only place I could find them, it was like $30 for shipping for like oh boy. a couple of them or something. So then I just found a St. Croix light number two. So I don't know if that's maybe the next step up or something, but uh, that's what I have. And that's what I tried yesterday. And uh, it was tough. Yeah, that, that may be, uh, that may be part of the issue as well. Okay. But, you know, definitely make sure you're hitting your technique correctly yeah yeah uh, and you may see it moving nice nice all right so you made it through the medley congratulations oh thank goodness <laughs> all right so in closing who's someone you'd like to see on the show so you're gonna hear a lot of the same names here i know you probably uh heard jan heller you said uh jan heller harita uh you, you said you've got don but there are yeah. two people who I think are kind of under the radar, but had some serious uh, contributions to the grip world. One is Chris Rice, who again, ran grip mess for years. He's on the red nail roster. He has, he, he uh, coaches high school athletes. He brings his football players in and has them bend uh, square bars. And it's just, that. it's just unbelievable training for them. 
And Chris hasn't been the biggest steal in the world, but he is probably one of the brightest and most experienced guys I know. Cool. The, the other one is Nate Browse, who has been in the, uh, the bending world and the grip world uh, for years. I think he started the Red Nail back, I want to say, in uh, 2011, but don't quote me on that. Number. He was out for a long time, but he's getting back into things and just jumped in bending uh, red nails to warm up and he's bending P, Q, and R drill rod. So anybody who knows that knows that stuff that's harder than the red nail, uh, both in terms of uh, the poundage to kink and in terms of how tough it is to crush. And he is realistically one of the people who's got a strong shot Asserting the gold medal. Wow. Nice. All right. How about uh, some tips or advice for beginning benders? Uh, stick with single wraps for as long as you can possibly manage. When you're double wrapping stuff, it'll move very quickly. But uh, like I did, you're going to pick up something that's too hard for you and you make it very easy to hurt yourself. You also don't adapt your hands quickly enough when you're using double wraps. And so you, once you get to steel where you're really gonna have to work for it, you're going to, uh, you're gonna figure out that there's a whole stage you have to go through where you get your hands toughened up and you're used to feeling. Nice. And where can people find you on social media and stuff? So just about everywhere that matters, my username is Tom Crusher, C-R-U-S-H-E-R. -E my last name is Tom Flesher. Uh, people will misspell that all the time. And I picked up the nickname Crusher at an old factory job I had. Nice. Uh, so I'm there on Instagram. I'm Tom Crusher on Reddit as well. Uh, and if for whatever reason you want to see me uh, make snarky tweets about my students, my Twitter is at Tom Flesher. That's almost all academic stuff right on cool all right um any events brands or gear anything you want to shout out um the only thing i really want to uh take the time to shout out is uh i mean i love fat bastard barbell company but when i'm uh representing something i'm always working for uh, long island against domestic violence liadv that's uh, a charity that has had a much uh greater increase in need ever since the start of the pandemic. A lot of people that they're helping are stuck in positions right now that they're uh, having some trouble getting out of. So always raising awareness for them. Nice, I like that. All right, that's it, man. Is there anything else you wanna say in closing? I uh, just wanted to thank you for having me on the show. And uh, if, uh, if you don't mind, I wanna throw one more name out there that I just remembered, uh, Gary Stewart who is, uh, he's Pit is King on all the social media. Uh, he's a uh, former professional wrestler who is another serious gold male contender. I got him booked. <laughs> awesome, love Gary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, been, I've gone after it with the uh, same intensity of uh, bending a nail to tracking down guests. So we're, uh, we're, we're booked way out. <laughs> it's gonna be a long season one. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, man. All right. Thanks so much, Tom.